Wait, okay. Okay. Okay, you can. Am I live now? Yeah. All right. Um, I said my right side. Okay, good morning everybody. For those of you who are staying back, we're going to go ahead and get started. We already um, have some who are tuned in. Uh, I was telling Pastor, I think she's changing, but that message uh, this morning was so, so prophetic because that was what God gave me, but he gave me the backside of it. So we're about to have a whole full package deal. Um, so open up really quickly to the book of Exodus chapter 17. And when she talked about um, the Amalekites and talked about what we're going to find out, we're going to look at generational enemies. That's what we're talking about, generational enemies. And uh, I think I'm good. I think I'm all right. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about generational enemies. We're going to talk about um, why was God so intent or, or so intentional about Saul taking out Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And so I, I, that, God is so awesome because I'm telling you, she did all that footwork for me. <laughs> man, let tell you, man, that's my daughter right there. She put that work in. So I'm going to go and give you the backside of it, and then it's going to give you a full understanding of what she, what she said, okay? And then it's also going to give you a full understanding of why God has been, uh, uh, I don't want to say pressuring some of you, but why you feel it, why some of you have felt God draw you to deal with certain things in your family. We're still talking about that family matter kind of thing. I think we're going to be on that for a little minute. Um, so go to Exodus chapter 17. For those of you who are listening, God bless you. Um, somebody put the scripture in the, in the comment section. It's streaming live on my page and on the church page. So if y'all want to double back and forth, that's fine. Um, Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 8. All right. All right, the Bible says, Exodus 17, beginning at verse 8. Then came Amalek. Remember, we, that's what Pastor was talking about this morning. And for those of you online, I strongly encourage you. Um, did we did we stream that live with our church page, or was that on, the, on our group page? The church page. The church page, good. So those of you, you got to go back um, when you get a minute or sometime this week. Go back to our church video and look at what our pastor ministered this morning. And again, it's going to really help you understand what God is saying about the Amalekites. So in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Okay? And then Moses said to Joshua, uh, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said. It's very important. She talked about obedience. It's very important when God tells you to do certain things. And it's also important when God joins you uh, to other people to help them do battles. 
Because many times some of the battles that you need to fight in your life, you'll learn how to do that warfare when you fight along somebody else. Okay? So many times we miss certain strategies, certain warfare strategies, because when it was time to do battle, we ran from the battle. Right? And in Judges, I think, chapter 5, God cursed the city. It's called the city of Meraz. M-E-R-O-Z. I think that's in Judges chapter 5. Where God cursed an entire city. Because when it, was, when it was time to do battle, they ran from the battle. And so sometimes God, he'll declare war. And it may not be your war. But he'll call you to battle in that war. Because you've got a subsequent war coming. And the strategies and techniques and skill that you'll need for your battle, you'll learn that fighting for somebody else. Amen. And so when you find here, the, the Bible, y'all know, know I love the word of God. When you find a lot of battles and you always pay attention. And to our guests, God bless y'all. It was a pleasure meeting y'all last night. Please, please, please come back again. Maybe somebody be back in the comedy zone. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we just ran into each other last night. She's like, Mama, I'm like daughter. So we had a good time. <laughs> yeah, she was running. We're like, what's that child doing down town in the middle of the night? <laughs> Nice. She ran into elder person, <laughs> ran into me. So, um, but yeah, so you know, pay attention to like the groups of people that God has you to do battle with. Uh, there's very strategic things in that. So even as you do Bible study, um, just pay attention when you see certain groups of people together. Pay attention to that, and then follow those people. Like when you follow Joshua, how was Joshua able to become captain of the army of the Lord? How did Joshua do that? Because he learned from fighting Moses' battle. Okay, mm -hmm. so a lot of times you think, I don't even know why I gotta pray. I don't even know why I gotta pray. You may not know that understanding may not come to you right now. It may not be the season for your understanding in that. But just know that that time will come. Well, Pastor, you just got right there. Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> 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 I'm not really mad at you. All right. So, so Exodus chapter seventeen, eight. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and wrestled them. And this is why Israel was in the wood. Yeah, I told you to mess you up. I already told you. Oh, my goodness. So. So Amalek is an ancient demon. Mm. Oh my God. This is going to mess y'all up so bad. This demon had fought Israel uh, while they were in the wilderness. This demon was sent on assignment to sabotage Israel, to defeat them so they would never walk into their promise. Yeah. All right? So they fought them in Israel. Listen, so God, Moses says to Joshua, choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek. He said, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So again, very strategic. Moses is saying, look, Joshua, my job is to intercede. Your job is to fight. Yeah. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. My job is long, and, and you'll find this is where we fall down to verse 12. Well, 11, well, 10. <laughs> then, so Joshua did as Moses said. We talked about obedience. Yeah. It's very important times of warfare to be obedient. Joshua did as Moses said and fought with Amalek. All right, this old demon he's fighting with. Well, he's a brand new demon here. But as we find later on, he becomes an old demon, and we'll get to that in a minute. He fought with Amalek. Listen, while Moses and Aaron and her, all the elders are on the top of the mountain. Yeah. Okay. So you got the elders, the leaders on the top of the mountain, interceding, holding the rod up, declaring. Right? And then you got the strong men doing the battle, doing the warfare against this demon. So this warfare is twofold. It's physical combat and it's also prayer and intercession. Yeah. So some of your warfare is actually making confrontation. My God. Some of that stuff you ain't going to just conquer by prayer alone. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pray about it. You won't pray, but you also have to do confrontation. And so she talked about that fear. This is why God said you got to get rid of fear. Because for some breakthroughs and promises that God has predestined and ordained for you, you're going to have to do some physical confrontation. Yeah. 
All right? Have a good day at work, mommy. You're going to have to do some physical confrontation. You're going to have to actually confront some people. Okay? So, uh, verse 11, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. But when he let down his hand, yes. the enemy prevailed. Yeah. So that's why it's important. When you're in a time of warfare, whoever the target of that warfare, always hold them up. Because as long as their hands are held up, the, the battle can be won. But when the leader's hands go down or the target of that warfare hands down, the, the enemy prevails. The Bible said Moses' hands was heavy. This lets you know this was a, an engaged warfare that oh, took some time. Yeah. Because you can imagine, like right now, I'm sore. When you use muscles that you ain't used for a long time. <laughs> it is very painful. And so the Bible said Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him and set him on it. And Haran and Ur stayed up on his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, and had his hands still, held his hands steady until the sun went down. Mm -hmm. This lets you know how intense. And when we get to 1 Samuel 15, you're going to understand why God was not accepting any excuses. Jesus. There are certain seasons God said, I'm not taking no excuses because this demon has been on your bloodline for years. And you have been equipped. You have been taught. You have been prepared for such a time as this. There's no excuses. Okay? All right. So, so they're fighting and they're doing the battle, right? And so Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Listen to what God said in verse 14, Exodus 17, 14. And the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. And this is why you find that in this last five years, you've seen a lot of prophetic scribes being released. A lot of scribal anointings are being released because there are certain things. Now, not all of them. Some of them, them decided they're trying to make some money. But there are some. <laughs> the Lord some of your bookseller. No, you ain't going to be no bestseller. That's not what God is saying. Your friend told you that. But, but there are some who are, who are receiving revelation from God that is going to be very needful and very vital for the next generation. Because there is a famine of the word coming to the churches. Now, you, you went right, when I tell you you were in the zone, you went right into the intercession. You picked up the heart of the Father. And you saw the next 10 years of the scattering of the sheep. That's what you tapped into. Um, and, and so this is why a lot of you feel like, and a matter of fact, and I checked my message, another woman of God, I got a book, I need you to publish this book. Right? Because there's going to be certain revelations that God is going to give you that must be documented. And I, that's my word. Every, every day at work, documentation, documentation. And I tell you, I, I write and type so much it's not even funny. But as it is in the physical realm, so it is also in the spiritual realm. There are certain things that have to be documented. If it's not documented, it can't become law. Jesus. And so there are certain revelations that God is pouring out to some of you, many prophetic scribes. And I'm not putting a plug in for a commercial to do a publishing, but if you need one, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are certain revelations that God is going to give you um, that the next generations are really going to need to have. Okay. Um, what we're finding too, and I just released um, this too, um, because of um, uh, um, cultural sensitivity, a lot of many of our teachings are being pulled down off Facebook and off YouTube. So a lot of times we think, well, I'm just going to do a live, I'm going to do a recording, but you don't have that backed up, you don't have that written, you're going to lose that. Okay. There's a lot of material now that demons are pulling down. And people will go on, they will report you for, say, for using hate crimes or if God used you to touch on certain subjects or what have you. And certain demons get upset. Like you said, the last teaching, some demons was put angry times yeah, or what have you. Yeah. Uh, so you got to understand, too, this, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And so don't, don't just limit your stuff to what you're doing on video, video, video. Have your stuff documented. Okay, um, so so this is what I've even had um, one of my books pulled. Even Ashley had one of her books pulled 
of Amazon. Yeah. Wow. So there is this um, conspiracy against, and you know, actually, we really go deep with stuff. So you know, that was a real live thing, yeah. right? Um, you know, that is fighting against. So certain things, um, uh, praise God, you've got to really, you know, walk in a lot of wisdom in terms of how you release your material. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I tell y'all. What did I tell y'all? Get a notebook. Keep your stuff. Did I, did I tell y'all that? Yes, you did. You can't just depend on what you record on your phone or what you record because the enemy will snatch it down. Okay? So so God tells Moses to write this for a memorial and a book so that you can rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Joshua didn't, number one, Moses didn't know at the time that his time was going to get cut short. Joshua had no idea what his season looked like. But God was already preparing Moses to prepare Joshua. Because Joshua was going to need, amen, that, that memorial. He was going to need that book of testimonies to carry Israel to the next um, thing. And so this is why it's important. If you're one of those, everybody ain't everybody's called now, I'm going to tell you. That ain't everybody's called. Mm -hmm. But for those who are called, God said, write this down, write this revelation down, write this teaching down, write this song. You need to go ahead and do that. Okay? So he said, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Listen, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven. So this, what you saw, what you heard Pastor minister on in 1 Samuel 15 was what God said way back in Exodus. Wow. And so a lot of times you think, oh, God's doing a new thing. No, he's not. It's new to you. God had already determined a long time ago that I'm going to take this demon out. And so what God does is he looks over the bloodline. He looks over the, the kingdom to find fitted folk who can get the job done. Okay? So God, from the book of Exodus, by the, from, because of what Amalek did to Israel, one thing God hates is when the people of God are already suffering, you're already going through, you're already struggling, and somebody comes and make your life harder, mm -hmm. you will become an enemy of God. Mm -hmm. And that's why God said, he said, listen, he's, uh, uh, in verse 16, and this is where Jehovah Nisi came from. When you're talking about God is a man of war, it came from the battle of Amalek. Jeez. Moses gave uh, God that name. It was at that moment with Amalek that Moses said, you know what, today, today your name is Jehovah Nisi. I fight under your banner. Wow. Okay? Wow. So, uh, in verse 16, because the Lord swore, God swore. That's how much God was he, listen, he was so intentional, he said, I swear, I will take Amalek out. Because of what they did. There are things that people have done to your bloodline, to your generational line, that may have happened years before you even got here. And God, somebody, some righteous somebody, some intercessor, prayer warrior, what have you, cried out to God. But because it wasn't that season, maybe they didn't have the support or, or whatever, because certain groups and demons, you got to be yoked together. You can't take the stuff out by yourself. And so maybe they didn't have the support network to take it down. And God, he made a promise and an oath. He said, I swear I will avenge you of your adversary. I swear I will deal with that demon that, that killed your son yeah. or that took your daughter yeah. or that offered drugs. I swear I will deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And God will make a promise. You may not see it in your lifetime. Wow. Moses didn't see it in his lifetime. Wow. Joshua didn't see it in his lifetime. But God never forgot. Mm -hmm. He never forgot. He said, I swear the Lord, I will have war with Amalek. Listen, from generation to generation. generation. So every time a little baby Amalekite was born, Y'all hear me? Yes. Every time the, the white, the woman got pregnant, God said, I'm going to kill that one. My God. When the grandmother said, I'm going to kill that one. The great, God, I'm telling you, people think God is this big old nice fluffy God on the cloud with a heart and, and, and Philadelphia cream cheese. This God, 
Right here. I'm telling you, that's the only way I'm going to say it. That's it. You don't ever want to get on that wrong side. I'm telling you, I've been on that side, like not real far on the other side. That's how we'll be here with somebody else. But I got on that side of God where I literally thought I was going to die. I literally, and I told y'all the testimony. I was pregnant with Ashton at the time. I was giving Elder a real, real hard time. And, and I was just really mean. I was really mean. I was really, I was really something. I tell you, God did a work in me. I'm telling you. Uh, I was really, 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 uh, I really did, I really, I, I, I did, I was really, I was, I was something, I was something that God needed to say, and quick, but um, yeah, God, the, the sin in my life was reaching heaven uh, at such a rate that God had to confine me to the hospital, I told y'all that, but for the last two months when I was pregnant with Ashley, God had to, he said, you know what, just sit down, don't, don't, you can't go nowhere, I just need you right here in this hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And remember, I told y'all I had to, I was trying to get my hair done, and the doctor said you want to sign yourself out. I had to sign myself out of the hospital, sign myself back in, because God confined me. God said, "You talking about being in the belly of the whale?" God said, "You need to stay right here. You're too dangerous. You're too wicked. If you keep on going, I'm gonna end up killing you." Mm-hmm. And so I had to stay put. I had to stay put. So I thank God for His grace and His mercy. Mm-hmm. You don't take, you don't do that. You don't keep doing that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't keep doing that. Uh, so God swore. He said that I will have war with Amalek. Listen, and God knew this was this is what key you in on something. You knew it wasn't going to be Moses' war or Joshua's war. The Bible said that the Lord, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war. So God already knew you ain't even going to be around the sea, but I promise you, when you go to your grave, just know this right here. Put this in your Holy Ghost. I'm going to deal with the enemies of your bloodline. I'm, I will deal with them. Okay? Now, let's turn to Numbers 24. Y'all got that? Yes. Numbers chapter 24, because we're going to build a case. We're going to build a case. We're going to build a case. Numbers chapter 24, verse 20. Remember how God said, I swear I'm going to deal with the Amalekites. All right? So Numbers chapter 24. I'm moving quick because we had a real good service. I ain't going to keep everybody all day. Numbers chapter 24, look at verse uh, 20. And I'm just going to give you one verse out of that. I'm going to pull that completely out of context. But Numbers chapter 24, verse 20. And when he looked, let me, I got to go back. All right, let me to the parable of Balaam. All right, this is Balaam. Y'all know the story of Balaam and the donkey and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he took a parable of Balaam, the son of the earth, and the man who's open. God, I don't want to get into all that. I, I'm just going to pull this out. If you want to go back and read all that, you can. But in 2420, Numbers 2420, and when he looked on Amalek, this is a man prophesying now. He said, and when he looked on Amalek, he took up this parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perished forever. This was a word of prophecy from Balaam about Amalek. God said you were the first, but you will perish, and your latter end will perish forever. God said, I will, in other words, God said, I'm going to blot out your whole family line. There will never, ever, when I get done, there will never be another Amalekite on earth. It will perish forever. So again, you find in God in Exodus, in the heat of the war, even though Joshua beat the Amalekites, God still say, they ain't good enough. God's anger was not appeased. Yes, that's you ever did something, tell somebody off? I mean, I pray y'all didn't, but just in case you did. <laughs> and you tell them off and you walk away like, I'm still mad. <laughs> like, I'm, still, I'm still real mad about that. And, and so even though Joshua beat the battle, but because it was so intense, it took so much out of them. Moses was heavy. His hands was heavy. They had to stand beside him. It wore Joshua out. It was a battle that took all day long. And God is watching. And I can imagine the longer the battle lasts, the hotter and angrier God got. And so even when the battle was over, God said, 
I swear I will destroy you. Even though Joshua won the battle, right. God said, I'm going to take your whole family line out. And so you find in Numbers, that thing had not left God's mind. He told another prophet, I promise you. He looked on, he got, listen, the Bible said when he looked on Amalek, God looked at that, listen, the whole bloodline was wrapped up in one person. Jesus. Jesus. So this is why we have to be very careful about what we do. Do, do you not know, like, you talk about the sin, right? There's a, there's le there are actual levels of sin. You got sins, wickedness, and iniquities. Sin is something you do, and I'm not making light of it, but just to give you a fair definition. Yeah. Sin is what you do with your body, right? Uh -huh. You lie with your tongue. You steal with your hand or whatever. You sort sexual stuff do with your body, what have you. Uh, uh, wickedness is going to come out of your heart. It can come from the environment that you're in, influence or what have you, under the influence of demons. It's when demons is cast out and that whole nine of spiritual wickedness in high places. So you got sin, you got wickedness. But iniquity is different. Iniquity... And it, it, it's so rude, it's rooted, it's in your DNA, it's in your breath, it's in your ears, it's in your hair follicles, it's, it's the essence of who you have become. Jesus. That's why the, I think it was the Lord, either who, which apostle said it, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Mm -hmm. In other words, your whole, everything about you, the Bible called him a vessel of wrath, you were born to die. I mean, there's no, you You hear the gospel, but you don't even have, you can't even receive it. You are just colored for destruction. Iniquity is, is is rooted is rooted in a person, uh, and, and 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 these people don't change, can't change, won't change. That's and these are this is where you get the witches from, mm -hmm. right? Because you're so wicked, good God Almighty, <laughs> you're so wicked that that you you'll destroy people, you will kill people. The Bible says you have a conscience seared with a hot iron. You'll see people crying from what you do to them, and you don't even you can't even you, my God. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. You just, it's just a cold-hearted, cold-hearted somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Lord said, I will visit the iniquities. He didn't say the sins. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. That's good. You can ask Father in the name of Jesus. I, I ask for forgiveness of the sins of my father. You can ask for forgiveness for sin. You can get delivered from wickedness. Iniquity, God has to kill you. Oh, oh my God. Oh. God has to kill you. And so that's why he said, I will visit the iniquities. Because the iniquities don't die. Jeez. It follows you. And so what uh, the Amalekites did was iniquity. It wasn't just sin. The Moabites sin. Yes. Oh, we're going to lure y'all and have sex with y'all and make, make God mad at you. That's sin. I'm not making light of it, but that's sin. Yeah. Wickedness is what Israel did, and people did die. But the iniquity is, is that uh, when, when you are just determined to destroy people without remedy, no cause or what have you. When, when Amnon raped Tamar, she said, why do you do this wickedness? She didn't say sin. Why you do this wickedness? In other words, prophetically, she said you were under the influence of demons when you molested me. So that's the difference of sin, wickedness, and iniquity. You don't ever want the word iniquity nowhere near your bloodline. Okay? So you find here in verse in Numbers chapter 24 and 20, I'm moving on to Deuteronomy now. He said, the Bible, when he looked, when God looked on Amalek, he took up a parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations. And in terms of who warred against Israel, he was Israel's first enemy. And God hates that. God hates. There's a scripture. I think it's in. Um, is it in Jeremiah or is it in Leviticus where he said, "Woe unto those who make my people sad, whose hearts I have made, not made sad." Yeah. God hates when you make his people hearts sad. Yeah. He hates that. And so this is what when they were, Israel was already going through suffering, trying to be delivered, trying to learn the ways of God and learn the commandments and what have you. And here comes Amalek doing battle. God hated it, and he called he termed that iniquity. Okay, and so he said, "You were the first of the nations to do war with Israel, but your latter end shall be that which that he perished forever." 
Now, go to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25. So I guess, yeah. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 25. Let's begin at verse 17. Deuteronomy 25, verse 17. All right. Uh, remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you will come forth out of Egypt. Okay? So look, God ain't, listen. Here you are in two whole other books. <laughs> People about 20-some, 30-some years old. God is still talking about this. Yep. He said, remember what Amalek did to you by the way when you will come forth out of Egypt. Listen, and God describes what he did. Verse 18, how he met you by the way and he, listen, and you talk about this, Pastor. He, Amalek was so wicked that he hit the back part of Israel as they were marching through. Because all the strong, the valiant men of war were up front. You're always sending your best people up front. Uh, your soldiers are always your footmen, your lieutenants and generals and captains. They're always at the front. And then you had the women and children in the behind, in behind you. And so what Amalek did, what made God so angry, is that they, listen, they were too much of a coward. You got to watch this. They won't come to you to your face. They come to you from behind. Yes, yes. And they're always looking to, to, to capitalize on you when you're at your weakest. That's why it's iniquity. Because they can't pounce on you when you're strong and you're feeling God and you feel like you know somewhat part of who you are in the Lord. But it's when you're at your weakest moment. And Israel was at a very weak moment. And Amalek pounced on them. Okay? And so the Lord said, they met you by the way. And in, in other words, they tried to cut you off. And they hit the back part of, the, of my people. Listen, even the feeble-minded, excuse me, even all that were feeble, listen, when you were faint and you were weary and they didn't fear God. So that was the case that God had against Amalek. Number one, my people were struggling. Yeah. They were going through something. They were, they were trying to survive, trying to come out of Egypt and trying to get into the promised land. The Bible said they were, they were weak, they were feeble, they were faint, and they were weary. They were going through some things, and you had the audacity to attack them in that most vulnerable state. You attacked them, and you didn't fear God. Verse 19, therefore it shall be when the, listen, oh God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given rest from all your enemies, all right, listen, in the land which God has given you, he said, uh, for him, you shall blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven, and don't you forget it. And don't you forget it. <laughs> listen to it again. Verse 17, remember what Amalek said. Now, when you look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, it means the law twice given. In other words, they're really, they're at the point now where they're about to cross over. They're gone, they're ready, and they're ready to cross over, right? And so before they crossed over, God reminded them of everything. Remember who I am. Remember the battles. Remember the victories. Remember the people who died. Remember how to carry the tabernacle. Remember the laws and all this stuff. And so then he gets down and he said, remember, don't you forget what Amalek did. In other words, don't forget what your enemy did. Don't you forget. Don't you be naive. Don't be naive. You have an enemy out here who hates you and who will hit you when you are most vulnerable. Don't forget. He said, remember what Amalek did when you came out of Egypt? Remember when you first got delivered and that person tried to lure you and kept luring you and tried to set you up? You remember that? He said how they met you. In other words, they plotted. They watched you. If somebody meets you, they plot where to meet you. They plot at that meeting place. And, and, and he said they met you and they smote you from the backside, from the, from the behind you. All that were feeble-minded um, when you were faint-weary and they did not fear God. Therefore, it shall be 
when the Lord your God, Moses is telling them, when the Lord your God has given you rest, when you get to a place to where all your battles are won, you walk in your promises, and Pastor said it, don't forget where God brought you from, when God give you the husband, the job, the house, or whatever your promised thing is. Don't forget that you got an enemy that you need to reckon with. But God said, right now, I want you to focus on your promise. I want you to focus on being reminded of, of what your expectations are. But God said, but don't you forget, when you have rest, when you when you don't have worry of who's coming to reap for your car and how you're going to pay your life, God said, don't you don't get so comfortable that you forget that we got a battle we're going to fight. That's right. God said, I'm determined to take this out. He said, uh, when, from, when the Lord has rest from all your enemies around about in the land which the Lord has given you for an inheritance to possess it, that you shall blot out the remembrance of um, uh, Amalek from under the heaven, and you shall not forget it. That takes us now to 1 Samuel chapter 15, where Pastor had us in this morning. So a few points that I definitely don't have to go back over that. She walked that thing up and down sideways. I don't have to touch it. But a couple of things that I'm going to mention to you all, and I'm going to let you go, is number one, there have been sworn enemies uh, on your bloodline. Still talking about family matters and all that stuff. Sworn enemies from things you don't have no knowledge of. But God has sworn in his wrath, I'm going to deal with it. And so you now come to a point where you tap into the grace of God, the anointing of God. You understand your prophetic, your apostolic, your evangelistic, your pastoral, your teaching anointing. And now you're skilled. Now you are equipped. Now you are part of a ministry that will do battle with you or that will equip you with the battle or supply you with tools for the battle. Now you're in a, you, you right now are in a, you prophetically, you are in a stronger uh, 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 position and place than anybody else before you. You now are the generals in your bloodline. You are the ones. You are the high priest. You are the intercessors. You are the chief. You are the one in your bloodline. Out of everybody else, auntie, uncle, grandma, deacon, so you now are the chosen one. And this is why the warfare has been so strong and so intense because the, the time for battle is near. The time for battle is near. All those spirits that have been playing your bloodline, whether it has been drug abuse, uh, any type of substance abuse, mind battle, psychological warfare, spirits of poverty, spirits of sexual uh, immorality, incest, shame, spirits of family dynamics, breakup, uh, molestation, domestic, whatever. All of that stuff, if you would take time, we look at Black History Month, but you need to, you need to frame a family history month where you sit yourself down and you look over your mama's bloodline, you look after your daddy's bloodline, and don't you take nothing for granted. Because that stuff is pumping through you even now. There are tendencies. And so this is why God said, and people are like, well, you know, God, I don't want to kill the babies. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Go back and read your Bible. God said, kill everything. That means even a little baby is cute and is adorable, has a seed of iniquity. Jesus. That thing, if it grows up, you keep giving it milk, you keep putting a little Come cute on, uh, hair bows, that thing will grow up and kill you dead. <laughs> because it has a seed. Look at how precious the little baby tigers and little baby lions and baby, just so precious and so adorable. <laughs> you just want to hug them and they look at your little eyes and stuff, little nose, little cute little nose, and you just want to grab them and hug them and love them, and then go ahead and take them things home, and you keep on giving them milk and, and, and beef jerkies. You keep on. You keep, you keep on giving them a little bump. Come in, little, 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 little tiggy, little tiggy, little tiggy. You keep on giving them a little tiggy. One of these days, you're going to wake up, honey, little tiggy claws. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm thinking, you talk about 
talking about? You think Samuel hacked the? Hacked the <laughs> I'm telling you, it's gonna be a my God, a horror scene. Tiki said lunch. Tiki, Tiki said. I don't want, I don't want milk no more, mommy. <laughs> I want meat. Okay. So that's how these things. You, you, we look at things as being so we can be so naive, and that's the spirit I'm asking God to deliver me for is naivety. And sometimes you can be so naive because people look so innocent and, and so so wholesome. Folk know how to dress that stuff up. And just, oh, good morning, praise God, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I love Jesus. And then when you really step back and start to watch, you like, that's a demon right there. Everything, everything about that thing is demonic, everything. And, and so you have to, got to be very careful when you are the chosen one on your bloodline. When you are the chosen one on your bloodline, you are the one God called to be like Abraham, like I said last week, to stand at the gate and watch. You're the one that has everything has to stop. This is why some of y'all warfare is so strong. You're like, my God, like whenever I get a breakthrough, here's 5,200 million things break loose over here. But guess what? You're the one. You're the chosen one. If you weren't, you wouldn't even be having that conversation. Right? So the fact now that you are that one, now all those generational spirits have you targeted. Because they know she knows too much. He knows too much right now. I can't get to her son. I can't get to her. I can't do that what I did to her uncle. I can't do that to what I did. And so now they're battling you. The hosts of hell are battling against you. But the battle is won, right? Because as they're battling against you, remember what God said. God said, I swear. Yes, I swear. So they're not just battling you, right? But now God has an entire army capped around about you. And as long as you keep standing. So the point, uh, we come to Samuel, to Saul. Here's what God said. God is saying, the time has now come where I'm going to destroy. The hour now is for the Amalekites to come before me. The time now is for the drug demons, the crack demons, the liquor demons, the sex demons. Now God said, now I've got somebody in office. Right? I've got somebody in office that I can confront this spirit with. And so here's what God did to Saul. God said, you want to be the one that I'm going to choose to deal with the Amalekites. You're coolest to that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to assign somebody to show you how to do this stuff, right? And you talk about David. David showed up, and David really was teaching him a lesson, too. Yeah. David was showing him and said, look, you got all that stuff, but you can't fight. Right. So I'll tell you what, I'll just go in the name of the Lord, and I'm going to show you how we're going to do this thing. Right. And so with, with, with Saul, when you talk about in Saul 13, in Samuel 13, when Samuel said, why are you doing this so foolish? Why are you so stupid? I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, why, why are you so, that's really what he said. Why are you so stupid? Do you not understand? You there are certain mistakes you you you're not supposed to make right now. That's right. There are certain things now. You come on. You should be for what you got to do. For what you're supposed to do. You should be so far removed from responding to certain things. Come on, that's good. And so the prophet's like, why are you so stupid? Why are you the time you? And that's why Jesus reserved his energy. You got to know which battles are yours to fight, and you got to know what is a, what is a distraction. Because if Jesus coming down Jerusalem is fighting, well, what y'all looking at me for? Which is, somebody give me some shoes. Somebody give me some, somebody help me. He would have used the energy that he needed on the cross. He would have expended that fight and trying to prove who he was. And so many times when we're in the day of battle, we don't, all the strength God gave you, you done used it up on some nonsense. Well, I'm just trying to tell her peace of my mind. I'm sick and tired. And God's like, you better hold on to your peace of mind. Because you're going to need it tomorrow. <laughs> 
tomorrow. You gonna need it tomorrow. <laughs> so you have to be careful uh, about a lot of this little nitty nitty picky little stuff, pity and little stuff that will draw you away from your greater purpose. Yeah. Okay, you got to be very cognizant of that. You got to be cognizant of folk that will try to reel you in and pull you in. What does Saul say? The people, the people. God didn't call the people. God called you. Okay, so you got to be very particular about what you do, who you do it with. Wait, you got to be very particular. So now let's move back here, because I'm going to get to 15 for a minute, because I need to pull some things out. So when you look at 1 Samuel 15, all right, um, verse 2, 1 Samuel 15, verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, he's talking to the prophet Samuel, and Samuel's conveying a message to Saul. He said, I remember. Now look at all that has transpired. From where did we start? Exodus 17. We went to Deuteronomy. Uh, we went to Numbers. Then we went to Deuteronomy. And now we're in First Samuel. And God said, "I remember." Come on. God said, "I don't forget." Now your sins, I will cast to the sea of forgiveness and remember no more. He didn't say nothing about wickedness. He said nothing about iniquities. So let's just make that plain. Wow. Okay. Your sins. He didn't say nothing about iniquity, a wickedness, or iniquity. He remembered that which Amalek did to Israel. And God talked about that thing again. Now you know that you know there's a trending quote on Facebook that you know you uh, what's that? You know you hear from it if you can talk about it without crying. Yeah. Now God wouldn't cry, <laughs> but God kept telling that story over and yes, over. Sir. God said, "So let me tell you what he did." <laughs> that thing, I'm telling you, yeah, you 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 can hear in a person conversation really whether they have been really set free from something or not. And God ain't got over that. God ain't got over that. Mm -mm. He has not gotten over that. He said. Uh, verse 2, thus said the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. Listen, how he laid wait for them in the way when it came from Egypt. God said the same thing. Now, is this a coincidence? How is Saul, excuse me, Samuel, going to receive the same prophecy that Moses experienced way back in Exodus? Come on now. How is it that two different people from thousands of years apart can say the same thing? You know this was God. He didn't miss God. He said, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go. That was the, God said, now the time is. God waited all the way from Exodus, from Numbers to Deuteronomy. He waited. God waited. God waits for you to grow up. God waits for you to mature. God waits for you to get your spiritual gifts and your identity straight and all your demons cast out. God will sit there and wait. He said, y'all, hold up. <laughs> Tina coming through in about two days. Because <laughs> I got Amalek on my mind. You know how they made that song said, got Georgia on my mind? No. He said, I got Amalek on my mind. Because God was watching. He would just sit there and watch him. He watched him have baby after baby after baby. God said, yeah, I don't have nobody yet to deal with him. You wonder why, God, why you ain't dealt with this yet? Y'all know what I'm saying? I've been praying forever. Yes. Why is she still acting like that? Why are they still, why are they do? But God, where you at, Lord? Where? God said, I don't have nobody yet. And I, who is 
Isaiah, he wasn't, wasn't, oh, I get all the prophets mixed up. Was it Isaiah? Was it Jeremiah? I don't know who said. And God said, I have no man. I think it was Ezekiel. I have no man, right? He said, I marvel. He said, you see all of this, and you don't want to see it. It was like God said, I, I got to move through the agency of man. So, yeah, I see it. God, don't you say, yeah, I see it. I saw it before it happened. I saw it. God said, I don't have nobody. And so he'll look down through the bloodline. He'll see all the stuff he remember from the slave ship to the cotton field to what happened on the backside of Tennessee, Georgia, what happened at the juke joint, what, all that stuff. At the juke joint. <laughs> I saw it at the juke joint. The whole family got torn up. And from that point, mom said, ain't nobody will get married. Don't trust no man. And in that same act of wickedness, that was wickedness. In that act of witness, witness wickedness, now you wonder why every marriage in your family is broken. The women is just as strong as the ox. And you can't tell them nothing. Because of what happened to Big Mama at the juke joint. I'm just saying. So, I mean, you, you because people... When people are hurt, they say things, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why sometimes you have to be quiet. Yeah. When Jesus saw when uh, um, um, who, Lazarus, he couldn't say nothing. He, all the Bible says is Jesus wept. That was all. Because when you even when he was going through Jerusalem with the pain, and even even what happened with Judas, there were certain things Jesus could not say. And I'm going to put this out here. Now you know this is coming from a counselor therapeutic place. Let me tell you something about trauma. All right, trauma is so you know. One thing about the brain: the brain is a very unique organism, and it is designed to protect you. Sometimes you can go through things that are so destructive that your brain will actually shut it down, and it's deep and it delivers what we call a bound and block memory, to where it you know people say, "Oh, they're in shock." And what happens when you're shocked is, is your brain, the unique way that God has made it, it will take the, the memory or the experience of that incident and it will hide it from you. Mm -hmm. So you can keep functioning, right? right. right? But you're not really at your full self. Mm -hmm. You're functioning kind of out of a, what do you call it, a, um, autopilot mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you're responding to life, you're growing through life, but you're not your full self. Yeah. Let the song come on that was playing when you got raped in the backseat of the car. Jesus. Mm. Let that song come on. You can be in Walmart in the canned goods section and the song blasting across the day, everybody's singing and shopping, and you have a meltdown right there in the aisle on the floor crying, and everybody's like, well, who did what happened to her? That song triggered the memory or the experience of that pain, ripped the thing out from under you before you were ready to deal with it. And it has completely consumed you. And so this is why you find, you see people, oh, they're psychotic, they went crazy, oh, they went postal, they shot everything. And I mean, some things is just murder, and I'm gonna leave that for what it is. But there are some things that are trauma that's been ripped out of a person's, out of that, that healed, that locked in box place, and it was ripped out by a song or sometimes a scent. Some scents that people can make a sweet potato pie and remind you. You know, whatever. I, you know, that, we can talk about that forever. But it, 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 it will, the scent, the song, somebody's fragrance or cologne, okay? You'll be amazed because when that experience happens, it locks in everything around that experience. You, that time of year is locked in, the, the whatever it smells like, whether it was pine cones, whether it was some kind of flower, whether it smelled like fried chicken, or whatever was a part of it. If you was in a car, the leather, all of that will lock itself in along with that experience. And if you ever get into a place where that thing is, is, is triggered somewhere and, and you're not in a mature place to deal with it, I'm telling you, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. 
It's going to be a bad day. And, and so, you know, with, and I don't know why I went there, over oh, Jesus. And so, no, this is why I went there. And so a lot of times when you're going through, um, like when I went through something a couple years ago, I, I knew that even though I was going through, I mean, some severe, severe, severe mind battles, the Holy Ghost of God kept reminding me certain things. He would say, turn all the music off. Mm -hmm. Don't use no perfume. You know, and, and, and it's almost like use unscented soap. And some people are like, well, gosh, that's kind of extreme. But you got to understand the depths that God will go to to preserve your mind. Yeah. Especially you if you're a prophet. You, there are certain things. And so you're wondering, why are they sitting there not saying nothing? They can't. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God will put you under arrest mm -hmm. and just hold you. Because if you keep getting, that's why when I went through that season, I said, I don't want nobody talking to me. I, I had to stay. You got to You got to stay in a safe place. You can't be around because what happened? It will. It, when you, if you continue to be triggered, smell something, you see something, and you'll never get your place to. You never get to a quiet place to where you can just heal. That's why when you're in recovery, people coming in there, they're washing their hands on the way in, washing their hands on the way out. They block your visitors. They limit it to one or two visitors for 10, 20 minutes. Ain't just everybody coming up in there because you're you're vulnerable. Okay. So, you know, this is, this is it's very, very vital. I mean, I kind of don't know why I went there, but I went there for a reason. Somebody needed to hear that. But when you're going through trauma uh, or going through a traumatic experience, it's very careful uh, if you're able to. The, the stability of your mind makes a big difference because if not, it, 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 will, all, it will split your mind. And this is where you see people that bipolar or some kind of split personality or counterfeit personality or what have you, split their mind as one party that's on lockdown. As another part of you that's functioning, but you're not you're not your real true self. Okay, so it, you know this is really really um, really deep here. And so here with um, with um, so I finished the thought about Jesus. How there's certain things um, he didn't say. Uh, certain people he didn't want near him. He told him, "Don't touch me." Uh, just just pay attention to that because this was a very traumatic experience for him. Very traumatic, all right? And, you know, if you continue to expose yourself when you're in trauma, um, you know, you're going to act out of character. You're going to say things. You're going to do things or what have you. That's not even part of your character because you're acting out of pain. And so Jesus, he demonstrated that, that when you're in a season, when you're going through a lot of conflict and warfare, you have to pull yourself away. When Elijah went through all of that stuff, God said, go to the brook, right? Go sit down. Don't talk to nobody because you're dangerous right now. You're dangerous, number one, you're suicidal. That's one thing. And somebody can say the wrong thing to you, it'll push you over the edge. But number two, you're a prophet, and you can kill yourself by your word. You can curse your whole generation. And so, so the door to that, I would thank you, Holy Ghost. I was like, okay, how did I get here? So the door to that is many times when our family members, some old or maybe some recent family members, have experienced certain trauma, they say things. From now on, I wish another man would. Oh, I wish, I wish, I, I'll never give my heart to another woman again. Some men. Uh, you know, have been hurt so bad by some women. And, it, you know, you say, oh, he a dog. He, he was never made to be a dog. Wow. But he's been hurt over and over and over again to where now he's afraid to love. Mm -hmm. Right? And so if that's if you in a relationship with somebody like that, with a man who's been traumatized, uh, you better have a gift of healing. I don't care how cute you are, how thick and whatever. Come on, Apostle. That don't mean nothing. He'll lay with you and get up in that crazy. Right. Yep. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It won't, it won't matter because your body can't, it can't fix what's going on up here. It'll give him a 10 minutes of pleasure, if that. But that, after, after it's over and done with, after he roll over, he's right back to acting crazy. So if you in relationship with somebody who's been traumatized, um, you're going to have to ask God for a gift of healing. You know, and the Bible even talks about that. I think it's in Proverbs about how a wise woman, her, 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 her tongue is a law of kindness. Yeah. 
and on her tongue is, is, is healing or something of that uh, of nature. Y'all can look it up. But the Bible talks about that woman in Proverbs, how out of her out of her mouth, oh gosh, was um the laws of kindness, kindness in her mouth and the healing on her lips or something, something like that. And then on the flip, it talks about the woman that take you down to hell. Mm -hmm. Take you, take you, she'll take you down. He said, she's like cancer. She'll kill you. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. So um, you, you want to be very careful if you have been, you know, if you've been traumatized, then you just can't enter into a relationship with anybody. Because number one, if you start tricking, you start going through some things and they don't know how to help you, they can actually, uh, you know, yeah. cause, they can re-traumatize. You can experience a whole nother, you'll have layers of trauma. Okay, so you want to be very careful. You just can't date anybody. You just can't date. You have to. You may end up with the real nice man at the butcher shop. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because he's real kind and sweet. You can't really deal with nobody that's got bass in their voice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to know yourself, mm -hmm. right? Oh, he look good. He look good. He look good. Oh, he nice. He got money. He's also yeah. But does he have what it take to heal you? This part. <laughs> so I'm gonna move past that. <laughs> so back to Saul and all of them. So in terms of, of the Amalekites, I'm actually coming to a close. In terms of, of the Amalekites, is that God had his eye and he was focused on that enemy for thousands of years. Thousands of years. That demon that came in and destroyed Israel. So there are demons uh, uh, that have uh, and people under human people under demonic influences that have done great 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 harm to your bloodline. And God help you if you that one. If you that one, just go ahead and repent right now. Say, God, I did not know what I did. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, however you got to say it, you know. But, I mean, you, you definitely want to, um, you know, be careful how you treat people. You want to be careful how you treat. Because you don't want to be on the wrong side of somebody's prayer. You don't want a prophet to go to God with your name about something you did. You don't want those problems. So you want to be very, my motto has always been for a long time, if I can't help you, I'll leave you alone. I will not, I will not bother you because mm -hmm. uh, you don't know who you're dealing with. A person who may be going through something right now can have a tremendous calling on their life like they did David, like they did Joseph. You don't know, sometimes you don't really know who you're dealing with, yeah. right? And so you, you think you can just mistreat somebody because they may be in a season of come up and they haven't really arrived yet and you think you can treat them and then dismiss them and, and you don't know who that, you don't know who that person is. You have, they don't, their destiny has been, has been concealed. You don't know who they are. And so you can end up damaging somebody that, like in Israel's case, Amalek, you know, whether they knew or didn't know, uh, I, I guarantee you this, they ran up on the wrong people. They ran up on the wrong somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay? They, they ran up on the wrong somebody. You should have chose somebody else that day to run up on. <laughs> you should have chose, you should have had somebody else on your mind. Because now, from that day forward, God has made an enemy out of every person in your family. And so God tells them, destroy Amalek, destroy all that they have, spare them not. Slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, all the animals. God said everything. Even the animals were contaminated. Yeah. God said, I don't even want your animals. Yeah. I, I don't want your dog. Mm -hmm. I don't want nothing. nothing. Wow. I, don't, I don't want it. God, I don't, everything, when, when you got a person like that who God has made the enemy, everything about them is an abomination. Wow. God, he just doesn't want it. <clears throat> He's not receiving it. He doesn't want it. And so that's where we get into all that. Now look down to verse 6. And this is what Saul said to the king. I said, depart, get down from the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for you show kindness and all that. And so when you go to verse 8, um, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. And this is what, that's why God stung him. That's why God did it. I, I, you know, I want to say God might have been okay if he even kept the animals. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Right. You know, just say, okay, somebody just kill them. Right. You know, everybody have a barbecue, feed the birds. <laughs> you know, because I mean, they, in the book of Ezekiel, the animals were so wicked. God killed them and he called all the birds. But he called the vultures. He Jesus. called the crows. Yes. He didn't call like doves and eagles. He called them wicked, dirty birds and said, y'all, it's time to eat. Jesus. <laughs> he wouldn't even allow his good birds to eat that dirty stuff. <laughs> and they were wicked, wicked men. God, I, I think, was this the time of the, um... Oh gosh, um, oh gosh, of um, Armageddon. I'm not sure if it's Armageddon or not. But yeah, God, all the bodies were slain on the ground, and God told His clean. He told His eagles and doves, "Don't y'all eat that? Don't eat it." He said, "I want every crow." It's time to eat, Big Daddy. Got you some. I got you some meat, honey. I got it ready. It dirty meat. God said eat it, but he would not let his clean animals touch it. Okay. He would not. I remember that. He would not. Now, if God is that intentional about what uh, what his animals eat, what you think about what we offer and what we present? I'm telling you, that stuff matters, y'all. It's big. It's big. So, in turn, I want to finish um, this um, thought about um, Elijah. Um, about, yeah, about Elijah. For some reason, it came back in my spirit. So, when Elijah was going through that with Jezebel facing her, what have you, and you'll find a lot of times when you're facing Jezebel, it is, it is those mind battles. The mind battles of Jezebel is to drive you out of your place. That's number one. To get you out of here by any means necessary. Whether she got to use prophecy, whether she use intimidation, whether she use sexuality, whether she feeds you. Look at how the things that Jezebel used. It was prophecy, I swear, by the next day tomorrow, you, you will be just like one of those that you killed, my prophets. Then she drove him, she chased him, she, uh, she had food, she was feeding the thing, and oh yeah, and emasculation, she take your power. She keeps eunuchs around her. So, you know, those are the, some of the, the, the workings of Jezebel. And so with Elijah, Elijah was not at the point to where he could fight it. Yeah. And I don't care how great of a prophet you are. There's some battles that you, it's gonna, you need an army. Yep. You can't do it by yourself. You're going to need some people to help you. And so, um, you know, or at least until you get to that point to where you can stand on your own. And so with um, Elijah, God had to hide him, and God couldn't allow him to be around nobody, not even another prophet. The Bible said that Obadiah hid, how many he had? 700 prophets? Mm -hmm. 700 have not bowed the knees of bed. Obadiah was, had hidden over 700 prophets. One prophet was a keeper of over 700 prophets. Wow. And he fed them and he hid them from Jezebel. But do you not know Elijah was so toxic? Because you can be saved and the Holy Ghost feel and be toxic. When you're going through mind battles and you're saying weird stuff, and I don't know if God loves me. I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I think we made a mistake. I think we need to go. God will isolate you and put you by yourself. Cause like right now you're not, you're not, you yeah. just hush. Okay, let's just be there. Let's be quiet. <laughs> then you tell, um, who, who was that? He told was Zeph, was Zachariah. Be quiet. Yeah. Don't you say nothing. Uh -huh. When you give the baby name, that's when you can speak. Uh -huh. Till then, just don't say nothing. Don't don't talk don't to your wife. Don't say nothing. Don't, don't everything you say is toxic. Um, so, but yeah, with Elijah, um, God wouldn't even let him go near the, near the prophets. God, there were 700 prophets. They, they could have encouraged Elijah. Come on, man. You, we look up to you. We need you. Come on, be strong. We need, uh, let's do it. And God said, no. Because I'm growing them and I'm raising them up. And if they see in you. Right. Yeah, what not to do. <laughs> they baby prophets. Ooh, I don't need them to be exposed to this right here. Y'all may lose a few hundred. So, no. No. God said, no. Just go down to the brook and just sit there. 
and um, I'm gonna feed you with some dirty birds, and you're gonna be all right. And then, and then, even at that point, God didn't even tell him to go back to his reason. Now, go to a widow. Go to a woman who's about to die. I, I need you to know that you can still got some miracle working power in you. And so that's, and after that, that's when he released him back to go back to Jezebel. He outran Ahab's chariot and all of that stuff. So, you know, praise God. It's a process to everything. You got to work. You got to go with God. All right. So to finish up this thought in terms of um, uh, generational enemies, that you, you have to know that God has not given you all of these awesome tools and gifts and, and anointings and strategies for you to just be great. It's not about you. I hate to be the one to tell you. you it, it's not about you. You have been suited and fitted and equipped to take down the Amalekites in your family. Whatever that means. If it's an Amalekite or sexual stuff, financial stuff, family stuff, mind stuff health, physical stuff, education stuff, then that's your battle. See how quiet it is? Amen. <laughs> well, y'all don't want to stay. <laughs> so, you know, but take courage in that because the reward, number one, is not only is, is not just knowing that you obey God, but the reward is knowing that you're going to see freedom and deliverance on your family line. When you think about Dr. King, let me give you a flesh and blood example. When you think about Dr. King, Dr. King was not a perfect person. Dr. King had a whole lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But he was that chosen one to deal with the Amalekites mm -hmm. for the African-American race. Yes. Our Amalekites were, you know, racism, discrimination, segregation, all that stuff. That, that, during that time, those were our Amalekites. Yeah. And God used him along with Jesse Jackson and a whole lot of other ones to defeat the Amalekites. That's right. Now he lost his life in the process, mm -hmm. right? Because remember, some you may not live to see it. You may not, you know what I'm saying? But he can rest in knowing that he was the one that God chose and he did it. Even if he had to lay down his life to get it, he got it done. Yeah. So when you go and vote, or when you work in the school system, or at the doctor's office, or what have you, guess what? Somebody stood up and dealt with your Amalekites. Mm -hmm. So that you could do this. So you could live in a nice neighborhood. You can go to a car lot and they don't tell you what you can get. You drive. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Somebody paid that price. That's just in a natural realm. Mm -hmm. How much more? Kids. Hold on. Let me mute my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, you tell the kids they don't own it. I'm not cooking. Praise God. So. <laughs> they get it on live. I don't know. Um, Mom's not cooking today. So. I can't really stand up. I'm hurting right now. Um, so, I thought I put it on you. Yeah, my love for you is endless. <laughs> From AJ. Oh, Silent mode. Um, <sighs> praise God, praise God, praise God. So, you, you know, Dr. King took out those Amalekites for us. Now it's your turn. Or it may not be now your time, but uh, your time is coming. Some of you are actually, I believe LaDonna, I wish she was here. I believe LaDonna is in that season now where she's taking out the Amalekites on her bloodline. And that's why you see it. And I mean, I won't put all stuff on live, but this is why you see a lot of deliverance and things taking place. Mm -hmm. Latoria went through the same thing. When you see that, yeah. and it takes the apostolic people to understand what that looks like. Some mm -hmm. folks, oh, no, we don't do that right here. Every time we turn around, here we go. But you got to understand that if, if that's what God is grooming them and preparing them for, the first thing he's going to do is clean you up. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to clean you up. And if that take every day, every week at 1130, bring the bucket. He's just begun. I mean, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Come on, bring the bucket. Just eat, y'all. Let's go. And get her ready so she can take the stuff down. Because you don't know at what point that thing is about to fully manifest. Right? You don't know at what point that thing is about. That's why she sent a message. My daughter said, I told Jen, let's pray right now. You have to watch. 
Right? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. So it's not just what's going on in your life. Whatever. You also have to watch out and see where other people are in their battles. And in their battle, in their battle zones, uh, in battle spheres, or what have you. And so, and, and God may say, you know what? Uh, uh, in this season of, of life, right now, Marissa needs a lot of encouragement. Because the enemy is working against her, her confidence. He's working against her gift. He's trying to block her gift. Why? Because if she's at, if she's at Moses, mm -hmm. if you're that Moses, and you're in the heat of your battle, and your hands go down, Woo! Come on. The enemy's going to prevail. And she's got a son, and she's got grandchildren, and who, who those coming behind her. And she's got nieces and nephews, what have you. And so it's important. we got to keep each other's hands lifted up. It's, it's imperative. And so when you talk about jealousy and all that stuff, it's so nonsense. It's so crazy. Because, number one, if all of us is on fighting strong, honey, let the devil come up in here. That's right. We don't, I, like you said, the demon's outside scratching his head trying to figure out how to uh -huh. <laughs> kill you. We don't play that over here and apple, and apple salad. So, no, we don't do that. You're not going to tag the people of God. You ain't going to cancel up in here. You're just not going to do it. You're not gonna, you, need to, you need to cultivate the kind of environment that whoever God brings your way is supposed to be healed. You have to know that. What am I supposed to do? What do you mean? Who are you? You will know what you're supposed to do when you know who you are. If you know you are a healer and somebody comes to you, it shouldn't take all nine gifts, a prayer, a shake, and a run around the church for you to know what you're supposed to do. You come to me, I'm a healer, bam, you heal, or I'm a prophesy, you're healing. That's my job. Right? If you are an encourager or if you are a hugologist or whatever your thing is, you don't need to ask me what you need from me. You already know what you need. Come and let me give you a hug. You know you're yeah. special. Jesus love you. Come on, honey. We can do it. And just that being a having, being a, 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 a Barnabas. Yes. Sometimes some people just, you come around and I don't care what you go through. They just, by the time you leave, you laughing, you hurting, you all encouraged because laughter is medicine. That's a gift of healing. Some people have to give. They have to. They can make you laugh, and you forget all about your stuff because you you because you came and they, they made you laugh. They made you smile, Amen. and just that right there just broke the yoke. You didn't take a bucket, no paper towel. You just laugh, ha ha ha, and you feel all that heaviness lift, right? So I'm done. I'm going to take a few questions, and then that's going to be it. Um, for those of you online, um, if you have any questions, hold on. That's right. All right, Keisha, got Sarnetta. Wilma. Um, so the rest of you that have, uh, anybody have questions or what have you, just um, let me know. I mean, post it online. But for those, now how do I take this off? You know, I don't know how to do it. Okay, so how do I, like, I take it off of me? Okay, well, I'm listening to myself. Um, <laughs> questions? <laughs> they gone. Oh, oh, gone. Joy's working, Darius is probably eating something. <laughs> I don't know where you can't just go stop. You can't I don't want to stop it because I want to keep the um, turn your volume down. Oh, turn my volume down. Well, will they be able to hear me? Yes. I'm sorry, all this is recorded. All of this is gonna be on live. All of it. Yes. Praise so, God. Bond confusion, and I am smart in Jesus' name. Yes, you know what you're doing. Yes, I do. Praise God. Questions, 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 or comments? Yes, ma'am. Questions. Um, you mentioned about the iniquity and wickedness that God kills. Okay, so like, if you have a witch, do it. So. Do they not have an opportunity to repent? Everybody has an opportunity to repent. Yeah. Even Satan has an opportunity to repent. He won't. Mm. It's in it's in their makeup. Just like Judas. Judas had, and I think she talked about it too. When when Saul, when David came and played, it's not that they don't, it's not that they don't have an opportunity. They don't have the mind. Yeah. They don't have the drive. They don't have the willpower. They just don't they don't want to. Yeah. They don't want to repent. Judas was surrounded by Jesus. If you can't repent and you live with Jesus, right. uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. You you how can you be Lucifer and you you Right there, you cover the throne. Yes. So a lot of times he won't even give you the opportunity. 
No, no, he'll give you the opportunity because God's a just God. He will give you the opportunity despite knowing you won't take advantage of it. You see what I'm saying? He will get because on that day, you know, God, number one, you know, he's, he's a just God. You're not going to find no fault, no sin, no nothing in him. But um, he also knows. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows I can I can marry you to a prophet. And some people have literally to say they so God said, you know what? He didn't need to do that with um, uh, Jose and Gomer. I'm going to let you marry a prophet. I'm going to give you that much of an opportunity. You're going to be married. He's going to be your husband. And you're going to still be with him. Right? So it's not that he doesn't give the opportunity. He does. But God's not going to violate a person's will. And so he already knows by just divine insight, foresight, that you ain't going to receive it. Yeah. Romans chapter what twelve, Romans one, Romans one, mm-hmm. yeah. God says so. You like to believe a lie? I'll set you up with liars. I mean, you know that's God will give you what you want. God will give you what you. He's a just God. He's gonna. You ask him, he'll give it to you. Um, they told Matthias, was it um, was it uh, Micaiah? They said we don't want to hear nothing you want to say. So he's like, okay, fine, y'all gonna win. He's like, stop playing. You know we're not going to win. <laughs> He's like, well, you, know, you don't want to hear what I got to say, so I'm, I'm going to tell you a lie then. And so they're like, that's why we hate you, because you always come and tell us something we don't want to hear. So, but yeah, I'm trying to find a scripture in Romans. But you're absolutely right, because they will not. I'm going to read it. Um, where is it? Where is it, Brother David? I'm in Romans 1. Here we go. In 21, Romans 1, 21. Um, is it one because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain and imagined. No, that's not it. I mean, that's good, but that ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. God help me. Look for that in Romans chapter 1. Or look in your concordance. Um. Professing themselves to become wise and became fools, changing glory to incorruptible God. Yeah, here we go. 28, Romans 1 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, mm-hmm. even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, do those things that they shouldn't do. But that's that became their drive. God gave them, God said, okay, you don't want to. You don't want to listen. You don't want to be like Saul. Um, God gave him up. All right. Verse 29, they were filled with all unrighteousness. Listen, fornication, wickedness. Ain't nothing about that. You see that? Filled with wickedness. Okay. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy. Murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, <laughs> inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Who, listen, who knowing the judgment of God. These are people who knew God. Remember he said you didn't want to retain God. Uh-huh. So in order you, in order to retain him, you had to have some measure so, yes. of, of the presence of God, the word of God, yes. the knowledge of God. Yes. So verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do that, but have pleasure in the same. Mm. That's what that is, Rep- turned over to a reprobate mind. They won't be saved. They won't. They don't want it. Again, it's not that God has not given them opportunity because they did They did have God in the knowledge at some point, but they didn't want it. So God said, well, fine, I'm going to let you, you know, inherit the wind and do what you want to do. So that was, that was good. I'm glad you had me look that up. It's been a minute since I visited that one. 
Any other question or comment? I'm still trying to figure yeah, out how to. Question. When, when we're thinking about the, when you were talking about the kind of like the transgender mind sphere and kind of going back to the source of it, mm -hmm. I was just looking at it mm -hmm. as far as just a genealogy. Mm -hmm. Esau and Jacob? Well, Esau, uh, as far as where Esau is, uh -huh. is he was, uh, because uh, Amalek, uh -huh. was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh -huh. Amalek was Esau's son. Uh -huh. As it to kind of see that genealogy uh -huh. falling more as far as where that, where that is. Hmm. I think that would be a good topic to, to study. Um, God hated Esau. And people say God don't hate nobody. Why are you going got that old fashioned <laughs> Oh, like Marissa. Yeah, God Almighty. <laughs> I need for somebody to update your ringtone. It's a ring in church. Um, but yeah, it's old I'm looking around. <laughs> oh God, that reminded me. That triggered me when I was a little girl. <laughs> I got triggered in church trying to teach. Um, but you know, God said, he said, Jacob, have I loved Esau? Have I hated? And the reason why, and this will kind of help you as you do your research. So I'm curious, let me know what you come up with in, in Jacob, in God saying that. And people say, Oh, you know, God love everybody. God love everybody. But God clearly said, he hate him. I hate him. He yeah. did. And the reason why God, and I'm telling you, some people misrepresent the Lord. And I don't, yes. I'm like, do y'all, do y'all, y'all don't read this. <laughs> Like it's not that hard, you know. Get it, you know. It's not that hard. But um, so he hated Esau because Esau despised his birthright. And you would think, well, that's not really a big deal, but it really was because when you look at the family that Esau came from, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and how God covenanted himself, him covenanted himself with Abraham, Isaac, and so God was like, so you you gonna take light of that? Uh, you know, like, your family has stood before me. Yeah. Your grand great-grandfather stood before me. Me and this man have done great battles and wars together. Yeah. I blessed him with a son. I resurrected his dead body. He, you know, he's got, a, you know, he brought a son. And then with, with Isaac, what happened? And so, uh, well, by the, time was, by the time was Isaac. So, God was like, you took light of something that means a whole lot to me. Yes. Like, you, you really, you took something that meant... And that's why even a sin of blasphemy, there's no forgiveness. Because God is saying, you took something that somebody gave their life for, you know, for the sake of trying to live holy and trying to be righteous. And, and you mean to tell me you will exchange that for some soup? I mean, in essence, that's what you did. You would take a bird. You could be the next king prince of Israel. You could be the father of many nations. And not only that, because God, remember, he's looking. His eyes are on to and fro on the earth, right? He's looking for somebody to birth the lineage of Jesus Christ through. And so he was like, you don't even know what all I had in store for you. Wow. And you gave that up for something to eat. Yeah. And so God hated him because of that. He hated him because of that. So in that, you talk about hatred, um, in that was the wickedness. That wasn't even sin, that was wickedness. And that could have opened the door for the generation thing. Because when you think about it in terms of um, even though Esau, Jacob and Esau reconciled, right? Um, they reconciled. However, obviously, something happened after the fact. You know, people do makeup and then something else happened. Yeah. And then it kind of, so something happened after that to cause Esau's family 
to come against like like the Malachites did. Oh, they go, there they go. Let's go get them, mm -hmm. right? And so something happened that triggered that, and and so that you know, like I said, that's that's some good research right there. Mm -hmm. Is to really look at, um, you know, look at uh, Amalek. And you know what? What did he do? What was it about him? What? Who was he connected? What? I mean, I, that's just some good. I don't know that. I haven't studied that. But since you brought it up, that's your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> but that's a good. I like that. That's a good. I mean, did you really like you said looking at generational stuff? And you want to look at like how did he open that door to be so wicked like that? You know? I mean, Esau. We saw what Esau did. But how did his son? You know? And it, it goes back. Look back even further with Lot. With his, um, what's it like? No, Noah. And Pastor talked about that too. With Noah's sons, right? With Ham, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so you got, uh, 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 who was it? Um, Cush, who was it? Japheth, who, oh, what was the names of them? Went and, you know, Noah's drunk. And get the brothers a break. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have been like coming off a boat before <laughs> with a bunch of animals. Right, I mean, right, right. I may have a little near. <laughs> so I can't judge it. I mean, you know, I get I get cabin fever after a few days in the house. So I don't know. I can't judge it, brother, because I ain't never been in that situation. But all I know is he got caught drunk, apparently to the point he took all his clothes off, and his brother, his son walked in there and exposed him. And so that was wickedness. It wasn't just sin. Yeah. You know, sin is all dad isn't it drunk. That's sin. You disrespect your father. You dishonor your father. You can be forgiven for that. But the wickedness is when you actually go in and uncover, and that's most that's in Moses' law. Deuteronomy, you don't uncover your father's negatives. You don't. You don't do that. And so that's where that's. Oh God, you talking about deep, man? Come on, somebody. That stuff is deep. And so he went and he exposed his brothers, his father's negative, and then told him in light of it. And his brothers had so much respect, they walked in backwards and threw the cover over him and walked out. They wouldn't do that. And then some people say, and do your history, some people say, you know, the son, the descendants of Ham, or of Ham, or us, of the descendants of Cush, I think it is. I got to go back and look at that Genesis somewhere. And uh, what's the prescription that? Because I don't want to give nobody wrong. Somebody email me, Apostle, you were saying this. I'm telling y'all, I don't remember. I'm going to look it up. You told me. You said. I don't know. I y'all know, but I'll get back to you. Um. And y'all got to help me because you know half of my Genesis is kind of ripped out. Okay. So, all right, but Genesis 6, look at um, Noah, Noah, Noah. Look at 8. Look at 9. Is it 10? 10, thank you. Genesis 10. All right. Shem, Ham, yeah, that's it. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so, so it was Ham that went in, and then they, you know, they say Cushes are the Egyptians, which would be the Africans. And so they say, okay, and I don't want to get into that big debate about that, but that the descendants of Cush are the Africans. And so that's why African, Africans and African Americans have such a hard time because of the sin and the wickedness of, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, and I don't want to get into a theological debate on Facebook, but I, I believe there's a part truth to that. I believe that. Because when you look at um, Japheth, which are like the Asians or what have you, yeah. and then um, who was the other one? Uh, who was the other one I just told you? Genesis yeah. 10. Shem, Shem are the, the Semites, the Hebrews. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so under Japheth, you had like the Europeans and the Asians or what have you. Cush would be like the people of color. And so, I mean, you know, you just look at it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You just, just look at what you got. You know, you find a lot of Europeans, Asians, or what have you, for the most part, are prospering in a lot of areas. Hebrews, of course, are God's chosen um, <laughs> tribes um, that, that come out of the, 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 the um, of Shem and the Semites and, and all of that stuff. Hebrews come out of there, Heber and Hebrews and all that. Um, Abraham came from that tribe. And But when you look at Cush, you look at Ham, you look at the people of color. And people of color have been going through a lot. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm just saying there's a part truth, but then, you know, praise God. That's just too deep, yeah. and I don't want to go there. But, yeah. 
it, it, this is why it's important to do your family history. It's important to know. It's important to, to, to talk about it, look at it, and um, and expose some of the stuff that's happening so we can block it from manifesting in our bloodline. Amen. Absolutely a good question. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I think I actually can be. I think I can possibly answer your question and not have a direct disclosure of it back to the Paul. You have to go back to, like she said, to know. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, you know, God had already wiped out the line, the two, mm -hmm. the first two lines, which was the murder of Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the line that Noah comes through and Abraham comes through with Seth, and Seth walks with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you come down to that line and you come to this wickedness, so this is where you start seeing the infighting. Mm -hmm. And then it translates down to Abraham with his sin because he allowed his wife, Sarah, not to trust in God. Mm -hmm. He, again, like Adam, allowed that sin in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with that, you have the two warring children, mm -hmm. or the two parents, that did, two mothers that didn't get they didn't get along. Mm -hmm. One kicks them out, then brings has to come back as God says mm -hmm. he has to come back, mm -hmm. and she has to bite her tongue mm -hmm. under Sarah. Mm -hmm. So you have all this like animosity going in uh, to this family line, and it just kind of trickles, trickles down. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes down that way. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it goes. I think the key point would be like she said, Noah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we start seeing, you know, this family. This whole, you know, this sort of family dynamic. <laughs> but actually, no, it goes back to Cain and Abel. It goes back to Adam. Yeah, yeah and, and it, I mean, you hit it with Adam and his wife. Yeah. Basically, and we can blame Eve for a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, girl, what was you thinking? But yeah, you're absolutely right. And then even too, when you mentioned um, about um, about uh, Sarah and, and Hagar, and then looking at Isaac and Ishmael. Yeah. I mean, look at that today, the Middle East, and the battles over the oil, the battles over the property, battles over the inheritance. Mm -hmm. So again, it, I'm telling you, family stuff is deep. Yeah. And, and the enemy hates it. That was his fight from the beginning. That's why, you know, we talk about the first ministry, being at home or what have you, because that's really where, where the battle is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where a lot of people, if they don't, here's the thing, if you don't look at what's happening in your family line, and then you go and build a family. Somebody had a quote on Facebook that make sure you raise a family that they don't raise children that they don't need um, trauma, need raise children that don't have to get counseling from trauma or something. I just yeah. jacked that whole quote up. But anyway, it, it meant in essence is make sure that you're raising a family that, that doesn't need deliverance from trauma or what have you. So in other words, it, it places the responsibility on the parents to make sure that your children, you're rearing them up the best way you know how so that they don't grow up into dysfunctional adults who have relationships and have families with dysfunction. And so dysfunction begets dysfunction. And so this is why we have a lot of wars, your crazy stuff on the job, stuff in church, stuff in the community. It all goes back. It all goes back to the family. Um, so, yeah, go. No, I have one more question. Mm -hmm. like, so how would you contend with inequity if you're the chosen one of your line to cleanse your generation? Number one, God would have to reveal that to you. Okay. You know, each battle would be different, of course, depending upon what the circumstances are. Um, I, I, you know, and I just rattle off a few examples from the top of my head. Um, in terms of David, you know, there was a nickel on his bloodline. He was born out of wedlock or what have you. Um, with, with David, it was, it was faithfulness, being faithful to God. You know, some of it is not, so everybody's battle is going to be different. For some folk, they might actually have to sit down and have a family meeting and, and it may be a big falling out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A couple of falling outs where things actually have to be physically confronted. Um, when you think about Jesus at the Last Supper, <coughs> supper it was a confrontation. It was a, a family confrontation. Before I leave, we need to, I need to let y'all know we got somebody here at the table that X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And so it was a family confrontation. When you think about um, the widow, the son of the prophet, and the enemy was coming because of a door her husband opened, and he was a prophet, 
But he opened the door to poverty, generational curses of poverty, debt, and so forth, enslavement. He, the, the husband opened the door and then died. So now the wife has to deal with that. You see what I'm saying? And so when the men came to the door, they came and that was her battle. And so, again, people say, well, you know, I don't believe in all that generational stuff. You ain't got to believe in it. You don't have to believe in it. <laughs> you know? You don't have to. You really don't. It's just live. Just keep living. When that lady, not only is she grieving the loss of her husband, she gets a knock on the door, and now her husband's warfare becomes her own. And so many times we find things that our parents have neglected through omission or commission or ignorance or fear or cowardice or whatever, things that our parents have neglected to deal with, and now we're having to deal with it. Um, I'll give you an example as far as David and Absalom. Okay, I was studying that last, this weekend. David and Absalom. Absalom was, was, was a mess. I'll give you that. But what I think what worsened him was the fact that David would not deal with the sin of Amnon raping Tamar. And Absalom was close to his little sister. So that was, you know, so Absalom already had, Absalom being the oldest son, okay, and so he's like, uh, you gonna you gonna just let him you gonna let him do that right? So Absalom had an issue with David's leadership, and so that's why he said, "Well, fine, Tamar, you come stay with me." It should have been David's responsibility to bring Tamar home and go and deal with Amnon, which at that point the sin for that was death. David didn't want to do it. Why? I told you that last week because David didn't have a relationship with his dad, so he's like this a passive aggressive daddy. I don't want to make them mad because I you know I don't want to have a broken up. I mean. We can be here all day, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. So, but what what happens? So Absalom, he's watching his dad be passive, but you're king. Yeah. You mean to tell me you can go to the Philistines, Come you can on. kill, you can do all of this stuff right here, you can be great, you can run to the nations, but you can't deal with this stuff in your house and avenge my little sister? You can't do that? And so Absalom lost all respect for his father. And then at that point, Absalom slept with a man, one of his wives. I mean, he was like, you know, forget this. And then when, listen, and then when it got real good to him, he said, I'm just going to go ahead and take the throne. How about that? What you going to do, Dad? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. What you going to do, Dad? Bite me, Dad. Right, right, right. right. So he, did, he lost all respect for him because he did not see leadership. He did not see family leadership in, in David. We see that even in today's time. Kids don't have no, don't have no respect. You don't show me no, I'm going to respect you for yeah. You know? And they'll come, they'll take your car, they'll take your key. They'll, okay. Come on. They don't want to see kids today, man. They're a brand new set. <laughs> so, 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 again, you know, we're talking about the family things and so forth. And so you find, you know, because that Absalom rose up, what happened? God had to kill him. Right? And so I was going back to the widow um, that her husband didn't deal with the debt. He didn't satisfy the debt before he left. The debt, the warfare came to, her, to the wife. She ran to the prophet. Elisha said, I ain't got no money. He said, but what's in your house? And so she had to birth the industry. So that was her warfare. Her warfare was, now I got to go ahead and humble myself. And you talk about pride. Yeah. Can you got some water? You got, can I borrow this from you? So humility was her warfare. And she had to go, humility and industry. She had to go and borrow vessels or what have you. And she had to work. Yeah. To pay the bills, to keep the thing. So everybody's warfare in terms of whatever that generational iniquity is, is different. I mean, that would be something, you know, you'd have to go to God and, and say, like, Pastor, and I, you know, I'm going to mention this lightly. When she was talking about some things that she saw a pattern in her family line. And so she's like, Mom, what should I do? And I said, okay, go back and look at where that door opened. At what point did you see the family kind of shift? Like, you know, at what point? You, you know, at all of a sudden, everybody was fine, everybody's doing good. And then all of a sudden, all hell break loose across everybody's house. Yeah. So what happened? And many times when you identify that door, then you either go to God and say, okay, God, you know, what, what do I do? Did I need to call Auntie so and say, girl, what did you do? Do you understand ever yeah. since you broke that home up now, everybody home broken up? And, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? What, what, what's going on with that? 
So it's going to be uniquely individual for everybody. It's not going to be, it's not just a one cut copy paste thing. Mm -hmm. It's different. Mm -hmm. Did you have something else you want to add? Yeah, I was just going to uh, say that a lot of this is kind of reminds me of when we talk about the Father's spirit, you know, uh, where uh, when we talk about it and it's being in some mm -hmm. of the pieces of uh, uh, the spiritual discipline that mm -hmm. we're talking about, it's in all these different mm -hmm. pieces or it's in the acts. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this, if you, anybody's interested, there's a movie, it's an old movie, it's called The Hatfields and the McCoys. I don't know if anybody's oh, seen yeah. that. Yeah. But if you ever want to see the yeah. personification, yeah. I've seen that. and you yeah. want a flesh and blood yeah. uh, example of family in a conflict, and you notice the old folks kept that stuff going. Yes, they did. And then the young people, kind of like a Romeo and Juliet, then the young people fell in love mm -hmm. and couldn't even be together mm -hmm. because the old folks had some beef over a cow. I mean, you know, something stupid. I, I actually ran into one of someone who was uh, married into mm -hmm. into the uh, to the McCoys. Wow! And she talked about how wow. much hatred mm -hmm. that they even have mm -hmm. even now, and that's even coming up out of their kids. What? See? Without them even even uh -huh. they don't they don't even know. Uh huh. But it's just automatically they were taught. Yeah. yeah. Hear about uh -huh. it. That's, that's great. That's wow. hatred. That's how racism is. That's yeah. how that works. You know, yeah. it's just it's just generational hatred. Generational yeah. spirits of hatred. Mm. But yeah, go look at that. that that'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody else have any questions or comments? This is really good. Yes, ma'am. I always thought that um, David kind of punked out because he knew what he was getting into and how all that thing came in. The prophet had already told him what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. So he just kind of punked out and mm -hmm. said, This is it's because I allowed this in and mm -hmm. in the lives of mm -hmm. my family. Mm -hmm. I thought that's why he couldn't do nothing. Mm -hmm. To his son when he committed the crime against Miss Christian, because mm -hmm. he knew he was the reason why. Mm -hmm. Even though he, in hindsight, you think he would have dealt with it, mm -hmm. he didn't because the prophet had already told him mm -hmm. what was going to happen in the mm -hmm. line, mm -hmm. and he just like, yeah, hey, that's what happened. And, and, and I, I, yeah, you're right. When he when he slept with Bathsheba. That opened the door. Again, you got to go back to where the door where opened. Started, yeah. That door to sexual immorality opened up when he slept with Bathsheba. <laughs> and even though God forgave him, mm -hmm. that thing, because because he killed somebody, mm -hmm. and that man's, he killed a righteous man, the man's blood was crying out from the yes. ground. And God mm -hmm. said, I got to avenge his blood. And so God said, this this curse right here is not going to leave your family. And so Amnon, he was he was the chosen one. That, that thing fell on, and unfortunately, Tamar was a victim. But even, even in that, it still did not relieve, release him from dealing with it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's certain things he may not have could have stopped from happening, but he could have, he could have dealt with it yeah. as a father. Yeah. And, and so you brought up a valid point. Yeah, God released the word. This is what you're going to have. Now you open this door, and this is going to happen in your family. So he couldn't stop it, yeah. right? But he could have dealt with it. He could have said from this point forward, because by him not dealing with it, the murder door kept it, it, a, a door of murder opened up. You see what I'm saying? So it just doors and doors and, and doors and doors. So, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So this was good, y'all. I'm gonna go home and get something to eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those of you online, I pray that we have um, shared something with you. I mean, we we covered a lot. 
We covered a whole lot. Um, the scriptures again be shared were Exodus 17, verse 8 through 16, Numbers 24, verse 20, Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19, and 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 8. If you are not a part of a local church body and you need to tithe, the Love Church Charlotte will be glad to receive your tithe. You can go to our website, www.tlcor.org. Somebody put that in the comment section, and we'll certainly pray and bless your tithe and thank God for it if you want to sow a seed. You can do all that on the website. Um, this video is going to remain on our um, Facebook page, on my Facebook page, and it's also being uploaded to um, my Soteria Prophetic Ministries um, podcast. So definitely take advantage of it and um, you know let it bless you. Share this with somebody reteach it or whatever you need to do but get this word out so that we can um we can heal we can see healing in the family mm -hmm. so father in jesus name we bless you and thank you for a beautiful day of worship lord god fellowship word revelation insight uh, uh enlightenment god so much so much that we have received here today god we are so grateful um, for this opportunity, God. I bless you for those who are here, Lord God, in the in the, in the in the audience. I thank you for those, God, who are watching us online. Thank you for those who have chimed in and have given feedback and comments, God. But most importantly, Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we ask, Lord God, even as David prayed, let this word be hidden in our heart yes. that we may not sin against you, Lord God. Your word, Lord God, brings light. Yes. So for every dark area and circumstance we face in our family, your word is the entrance of light, Lord God. And so as we dig into this word, as we find out, Lord God, and and, and, and we look at situations that are similar to what we're facing with, facing, God, the answer has already been prescribed. You have already given us the answer. So, God, we equip every man and woman of God with every skill, every tool that they'll need to do battle, God. For those who are the chosen in their family lines to take down the Amalekites, God, strengthen them for the battle, God. Teach their hands to fight, their fingers, teach their fingers to, uh, to fight and their hands to war. Lord God, teach them, Lord God. Let them, when they feel like they, the weight of the war is heavy, Lord God, let them be surrounded by those, Lord God, even as Moses was, who will hold their arms up, God, and help, Lord God, prevail against the enemy. Lord God, we thank you, Father. We bless you. We bless the remaining of this day. We bind every demon, God, that hated being exposed. We appreciate the opportunity to do so, God, but we plead the blood of Jesus over us, over our possessions, over everything that pertains to our life. And God, we think that we shall not fear, Lord God, for you, Lord God, are the keeper, Lord God, of uh, the keeper of our heads, God, the lift up of our heads, God, the keeper of our souls. We bless you and we love you. Until next time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. I told you, Pastor, I said, yes. well, you're going to have a fit right My here. My God. I promise you. I said, she done saved me a whole lot. <laughs> I said, do it, Jesus. <laughs> what, what yes. You got some good word in you, baby. Good old word. Yeah, it's going to bring more fruit to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I just got to figure out. I think I done deleted something. What did I delete? Okay. Oh, okay. So. I see what else you said. Alright, save video. Yeah. Alright. I'm still live. Okay, honey, I got you. Alright, somebody show me how to get on live. Okay, hold on. Hold on, I'm trying to figure out how to get on. You got your bag? Yes. Okay, thank you. Love my